Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you on a great day, gorgeous day here in Vegas. Hope everybody's doing well as the Raiders get set to take on the Philadelphia Eagles this Sunday at the brand new Allegiant Stadium. How cool is that as Eagle fans are coming? I know they're coming. They're coming. They want to see Vegas. They want to see the stadium. They want to see their Eagles. And they want to be there and have a big three-day weekend and party. You would want to get out of Philadelphia this time of year and go out and have a good time. And so they're coming here, and they'll have a great time in our city. They'll spend money. They'll stay in our hotels and casinos. They'll tip our waiters and waitresses, servers, and that's what's going to happen from here on out. And then hopefully we send them home. We send them home with a loss. That's what this is all about. Entertain the masses here in Vegas. Entertain hockey and football fans, college football fans, and hopefully send them home with a loss. And they'll want to keep coming back because we treated them so well in the entertainment capital of the world. Big show today, what we're trying to pull off here. Bobby and I have been trying to put this show together, and sometimes when it rains, it pours, and everything comes together. So here's what we got. We got John Ritchie, former fullback of the Raiders and Eagles. John's great. He's one of the favorite players I've met in my 20-plus years with the Raiders. He's an excellent fullback with the Raiders. He's a really good broadcaster now. We've been friends a long time. Haven't talked to him in a while. John Ritchie, very active in the Eagles community back there in Philadelphia. So John's going to join us here at the bottom of the hour. Howard Eskin, the longtime sideline reporter, television and radio legend of Philadelphia. Very difficult to get on the radio. We got him today at the top of next hour. He's a guy who's made a lot of news in his career. I mean, he's he's kind of like the Jim Gray of football or even bigger or better the way you describe locker room guys who have a big, big following in that city. When you say Howard Eskin, when the Eagles played the other night on primetime against Brady, they showed him on the sidelines, and Troy Aikman and Joe Buck were talking about him. That's a big guess we're going to get him. Also confirmed Tony Bruno. Everybody knows Tony, his long radio career, and what Tony Bruno's done. Tony's a lifelong Eagles fan. Tony's going to join us today which is pretty cool. And I just got an alert that was supposed to have the voice of the Cleveland Browns, Jim Donovan, on, which I didn't expect, but that'd be a pretty good interview if we're able to get him because Baker Mayfield's out. Raiders play Cleveland later on in the year. Baker Mayfield will not play Thursday night, and they play Denver. So Denver catches a big break. Think of, think of Denver so far this year, everybody. The first three games they won, playing three teams with a combined 0-9 record. So they beat the Giants, the Jets, and the Jaguars. Raiders just beat them, and now they play Cleveland, and Cleveland's missing their two starting running backs and their quarterback. So they get them in a really good time. And Sam and Ash is going to join us later in the show. we got a lot to catch up on, Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. We're always powered by PT's best happy hour in town, midnight to 2 a.m., 5 to 7 p.m., with all the gaming, all the sports, Golden Knights back in action, they're an official proud partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. Head on out to NEPTs, pass the lamp, order the food, have a great time, and kick back and watch VGK 
which hopefully we're going to talk Vegas Golden Knights uh, coming up either at the end of this week or when we get back from the bye week. I'll be gone for most of next week for the bye week, taking care of some family stuff, and then we'll be ready for the second half push of the year. So there's a little bit of news in Raider world when we take a look at what's happening and the depth that they're adding. Mike Mayock has been very active. The Raiders added a veteran cornerback uh, position hit hard by injuries, as Sam Gordon wrote about and reported. Desmond Trufant, nine-year veteran who played two games this year with the Saints, has agreed to terms with the Raiders. Two Raiders quarterbacks are on injured reserve, Trayvon Mullen and Damon Arnett. Trufant has 14 career interceptions, and I really think he's solid in this group here. And remember, Casey Hayward is one of the highest-rated cornerbacks, if not the highest-rated one from Pro Football Focus, and that was a veteran that was brought over. So I like that move. If you're going to go get someone, go get someone who's played, who's been a ball hawk in the past, can tackle in space, and get it done. You know, I was looking at some of the stats today. Before we hit the show, if you look on Facebook, you read the paper, you just look around, you can see that the Raiders are coming off a tremendous game at Denver where the stats just jump out at you. Henry Ruggs had three receptions for 97 yards and a touchdown. Kenyon Drake, the $6 million man, Lee Westwood, six touches, 73 yards and two touchdowns. Derek Carr was 18 of 27 for 341 yards and two touchdowns. And Mad Max Crosby had three sacks, and Max had an explosive game, and he's having a Pro Bowl season. And remember, the Raiders got three interceptions in that game. So with all that combined, the Raiders are playing very good football, which I'd like to see more of. You know, I thought the best game they played this year defensively was in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, they can play. They played a complete game. Special teams, obviously offense, defense. Carr made a couple of big plays there. T.J. Watt played for some of that game. The offensive line stepped up. And then defensively, they beat Ben Roethlisberger, a future Hall of Famer. And since then, we've been waiting for that game. And we just got that game right in front of us. It was fantastic at Denver. So can the Raiders build on that? And that's what I wanted to open up and make a point of action for you today as we open up the show. What do you think the Raiders can build on from Denver? And I want to kind of go dive deep into this one, not some generic stuff. What do the Raiders need to do that you saw, led by Rich Basaccia, and what you saw in that game plan that you liked? Because a lot of Raider fans blank and moan on the post-game show. They don't like anything. I mean, I take calls after these Raider games, and when they lose, everybody picks everything apart. Well, they ran it too much. They ran it on first down. They did this. They didn't throw deep. And that's natural. I'm aware of that. I'm very, I'm very cool with you doing that. But now we have something very positive to build on. A 4-2 and two team that could go 5-2 and two into the bye week. They did several things very well in Denver. What do you think today that they can build on to become a better football team? I talked to a former Raider today. I'll, I'll leave his name off the show because he didn't want it on the show. And he said to me, he goes, JT, he goes, I think this team could play in the Super Bowl. I said, whoa, Super Bowl? He said, yeah, here's why. He goes, if the Raiders find a way to win the division, and they can, if Kansas City continues to trip up and they play a home game, the Raiders have the ability to play defense on the back end. With Abram under control, Trayvon Merrick being a ball hawk, and assuming that these cornerbacks come back, like Trayvon Mullen and what they've added with Hayward, this is a defense that might bend in the playoffs but doesn't break. But the former Raider legend told me, 
He likes this team now because Carr is in a do-or-die season. And Carr is in a contract year coming up. He wants to be more explosive. He's got a new voice in his ear exclusively, not multiple voices. And this could be the moment for Carr to have one of those Jim Plunkett-type postseasons or just a great postseason like Jeff Hostetler had and Phil Simms had back in the day. Trent Dilfer had winning a Super Bowl. Guy by the name of Brad Johnson won a Super Bowl. Guys who were lesser talented than Derek Carr. I'm not talking Super Bowl. I don't think they have a Super Bowl roster. But I talked to a player who knows a lot more about football than I do, and he was talking about the playoffs and the Super Bowl today. So more and more people are believing that this team is on the right track, that they're doing good things, they can play in big spots and make big plays. All I'm concerned about are the dirty, stinking, green, drunk birds of Philadelphia. I'm very concerned about this game plan, as I've said in the early part of this week. It's going to be a sloppy game plan by Philly like Justin Fields in Chicago. It's going to be one of those where they're just trying to manage the offense and they want to win the game on defense. Do we all get that? What they're going to try to do is keep the game going back and forth conservatively on offense and hope that the Raiders make mistakes so they get the ball back, a short field, and it could make it easier on Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts at this time is better than Justin Fields, who beat the Raiders at Allegiant Stadium. I got a lot of respect for Hurts. I think he can play and he can run and he's more physical. And I think the athlete, the better athlete outside the pocket is Justin Fields. But I think the bigger, stronger physical presence is Jalen Hurts. And Hurts played in a lot of games at Alabama, big games at Oklahoma, and now he's playing all the games in Philadelphia. He's got more experience than you think he has. Enough on a third and five to be in the shotgun and just take off left to right and pick up 11 yards. And that's what I think they're going to try to do. So I'm going to spend the rest of this week talking about how the Raiders defend that. And I think the way they defend that is with linebackers. I think this is the linebacker game for the Raiders which none of us are confident with. Nobody's confident with these linebackers, and they're pretty good. Perriman leads the league in tackles the last I looked. I'll update that. K.J. Wright's a hell of a player, one of the best linebackers in football over a decade, and we know that Littleton's supposed to be good, but he hasn't played well yet. And then you got Kwiatkowski and the depth of the linebacker position. I think these linebackers are going to be make or break in this game. They're going to have to figure out and spot what's happening quickly with this offensive play, if it's going to be a handoff, if it's going to be an RPO, and then they're going to have to get to the ball and tackle in space. And I mean space. Jalen Hurts is going to get out on the edge, or he's going to get through that line of scrimmage, and he's going to be in space, and these linebackers are going to have to come up and lay the wood on him. Or not lay the wood on him, just get him on the ground. He's young, he's athletic, he's strong. He can deadlift and bench press more than most of the Raiders, and he plays quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's a beast. So this guy can do damage, and I respect the hell out of him, and I think the Raiders are going to have to tackle. Big Jonathan Abram game. Coming in from the safety position and having to get in the box and make a couple of tackles because other than Devontae Smith, the Bolitnikoff Award winner, the Heisman Trophy winner, he's the guy you got to keep in front of you, and the league has done a pretty good job at that. So I want to know what you believe is the key to this game and what the Raiders can build on after that win at Denver. And you might have something completely different than what I'm saying. 
702-365-9200. The player or the scheme or what you think is going to hit in this game, that is critical so we can all get the hell out of here for a couple of days, get into the bye week with a 5-2 and two record and the playoffs right in front of them. 5-2 and two record in the New York Giants, one of the worst teams in football, still a game against the Washington football team and Taylor Heineke, another game against Teddy Bridgewater, a game at home against Cincinnati, a game at Cleveland against Baker Mayfield, who was injured. I mean, I'm looking at the schedule here, and if the Raiders would have taken care of business against Chicago and Philadelphia, we'd be talking about 6-2 and two going into the bye week. 6-2. and two. And we remember this team last year at 6-3 and three in a mini collapse, and I don't think that's going to happen this year because I think the coaching's really good. I think the coaching is exceptional. I thought the coach who just resigned was a very good coach, and I think that Rich Passaccia, who I'll interview tomorrow over at the facility for this show and TV, I think that he's delegating power across the organization, and these coaches feel really comfortable with him. That was a really good game plan, wasn't it, in Denver? What they were able to do to start off the game, which is great preparation, halftime adjustments, and the way they were able to finish out the game. A little bit sloppy at the end. They gave up an onside kick. You know, Denver tried to make a little bit of a run late, but they were able to knock it down. So I'm very optimistic today. We have a bunch of Eagle guests on because I think that's the best type of radio to get on a Wednesday. Let's learn about this team. Let's learn what's coming to Vegas so we're all prepped up as we go into Allegiant Stadium and then find out a way to win this game and how they're going to win it. And I always include you. We have the best interviews on radio. I'm proud of that. Bobby works on it well in advance. We got it down. We have the best insiders from the Raiders on this show. We got it all dialed in. But we got to hear from you, and you got to get your energy into this show, which I expect. I expect me to be energetic every day. I expect you to be energetic every day. 702-365-9200. On top of that, you can jump in here and get it going on Twitter, at JTTheBrick. I want to stop for a second and get to what happened yesterday in baseball. All of a sudden, people are talking baseball in October. I talk it all year. Cody Bellinger's home run for the Dodgers was incredible because the guy always seems to be in a slump or coming out of a slump. And the Dodgers were down 5-2 to two at home in the bottom of the eighth inning, and they looked dead. And Bellinger was down in the count, and then a ball came to his shoulders at almost eye level, and he did this. And a fly ball to right center field. It's well hit, and it is gone. A three-run home run for Bellinger. We've got a new game. It's tied at five. That was huge. Charlie Steiner on the call. Bellinger gets it done. Uh, One of the biggest home runs of his career. And he's got a great career going with the Dodgers. I wouldn't put it up there with Kirk Gibson's home run. But if you look at the history of the Dodgers, going back to Dusty Baker, Ron Say, Steve Garvey, Bellinger walks into a room with all those people, and he's got bigger credentials. He does. This guy's the real deal. And then maybe the best player in baseball, Mookie Betts, comes through. Here's the game winner. Betts with a fly ball to right, and it drops in for a base hit. It's going to roll to the wall. Taylor scores. Betts is at second base. The Dodgers with four in the eighth. Now lead the Braves six to five. Absolutely incredible moment there. And Vegas is a Dodger town. A lot of Dodger fans in town here, if you want to call in on this and talk about it. And now the Dodgers are back from the dead, and they have all the momentum. And the Braves were six outs away, less than that, four outs away from going 
3-0 and in the series, and they would have won the series. No way the Dodgers were coming back uh, down 0-3 in this series. Dave Roberts rolls the dice with that pitching staff all the time, but Cody Bellinger got him off the hook. He widened the stance out, tried to square it up and move the baseball forward, and good things happen when you do that. And I can, you know, probably in years past, with not having been gone through the struggles, he might not have made that adjustment. Just a huge hit, and he's continuing to kind of evolve and grow. Yeah, that's uh, pretty impressive for Dave Roberts. He got bailed out there. I don't think he did a great job with that pitching staff so far. He's got Urias going in game four. Atlanta's got to go kind of with a mix-and-match bullpen. If you're a Dodger fan, you want to call in today. Uh, It's a good day to do it as the Dodgers are back, and they are back in a big way. And then how about Houston? Got seven runs in the ninth inning last night at Fenway Park. The reason they did, they were down 2-1, to and Jose Altuve is one of the greatest postseason Ball players of the modern era. He got the Astros back in. And Altuve drills it deep to left field. And you can kiss it goodbye. We're tied at two. Jose Altuve does it again. He's had a great career. I mean, he's a cheater. Was he wearing a wire or not? Uh, you know, he's a scoundrel cheater with the Astros, but he hit a hell of a home run. And Houston was able to hold on. They piled on. Fenway Park was in shock. Here's the final call. Swing and a miss. Struck about on the breaking ball, and that is the ball game. This series is knotted at two apiece. The Astros score seven times at the top of the ninth, come from behind to defeat the Boston Red Sox 9-2. to That's Astros Radio on the call. So that was a big story. Last night, as I wrote on my Facebook page at JT the Brick, is one of the main reasons I'm in sports radio. I mean, last night was incredible. All this was happening around me live. And then on top of that, you had the launch of the new NBA season. Milwaukee won their first game. They won against Brooklyn because Brooklyn didn't have Kyrie Irving. Here's Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, talking about the Kyrie situation and how it's a big problem and how the league's going to have to deal with it. That's not an adversarial situation between the league and the union or, or the league and the player. This is about a New York City rule that requires all people working or attending events in arenas to get vaccinated. So this is about a a New York law that Kyrie um, is saying he's not willing to comply with. He's not willing to comply because he's a knucklehead. His whole teammate, all his teammates have 97 plus percent of the NBA is vaccinated and Kyrie doesn't want to do it. And he's hemorrhaging cash and he thinks he's some type of unvaccinated warrior here. and He's going to lose a ton of money, ton of money. What's happening there? And then I want to get to Steph Curry last night because last I looked, they were getting beat by the Lakers. Looked like the Lakers were going to win. And then in the fourth quarter, with a triple-double, Curry leads the Warriors in L.A. Screen by Draymond. Curry gets free for three. Got it! Curry with a free ball off a great pick by Draymond. Yeah, LeBron James couldn't believe it. It was Russell Westbrook's first game. He had a poor game. I mean, he really struggled as a Laker. Here's LeBron. I just think it was just the first game jitters, to be honest. Um, don't put too much into it. You know, it just probably was a lot just going through his mind, just being a kid from L.A. and, you know, watching the Lakers growing up. And then, you know, however many years down the road, now you're putting on a Laker uniform and you're stepping into Staples Center. And you'll probably have, I can only imagine how many friends and family have contacted him over the last 48 hours, wondering if they can come and see his first game as a Laker. You know, so, um, you know, those things, those demands and those asks and those things will quiet down as the season go on and on. So not worried about Russ at all. You know, he just need to be himself and 
Not worry about the outcome. That is brutal. How would you like to be Russell Westbrook? You know how many great games he's played in his life? Most of them are great. And you got LeBron talk, talking about how he has the jitters and he stunk up the joint. So a lot of Laker fans also in Vegas taking a look at that team last night. They did not look sharp. But it's the first game of the year, and the Warriors didn't even have Klay Thompson. So it will be fun watching those two teams jump back into it. So that's where we are in the monologue. Hopefully we hear from you today. If you're a Raider fan, I'm looking for the one thing to build on. The realistic, the realistic opportunity for the Raiders to build on. Is it the pass rush? Is it the quarterback? Is it the screen game? Is it the interceptions? What do the Raiders need to build on coming into this game with the Philadelphia Eagles? TJ in Montana, start us off on the Raiders mobile app. Go ahead. Hey, JT. Thanks for having me. Thank um, the one, the one big thing that I would see from you know the last game with the uh, with the Broncos, continue using the passing game to open up that run and get more action with Jacobs with Drake. The last what was it seven or eight different receivers mm-hmm. use that passing game, open it up, keep the defense honest, get that run going. Yeah, a lot of people think like you do, TJ, uh, set up the run by throwing the ball early. It's tough to do that against good defenses like the Chicago Bears. I think you could do it against Denver and Philadelphia. The ball's just got to come out quickly, and Carr's got to make good decisions downfield, and he's coming off a hell of a game. Definitely. And the only other thing that I would really probably think they need to shore up is the goal line or the, the red zone defense. Red zone defense, yep. Big I would time. agree. If we can, if we can get that in, at least at least hold guys to field goals instead of letting them go in, that's going to be a big, huge thing to build on as well. Thanks, JT. Thank you. Appreciate you calling in. The monologue brought to you by AnyTiresPlus.com. That's my buddy Frank from the Henderson Hyundai Superstore. Now he's got a big tire company, and he wants to take care of all the Raider Nation. Three fifty North Boulder Highway, conveniently located off the corner of Lake Mead and Boulder Highway. And look, don't pay a stupid price for a smog inspection when you can pay $5.95 with him at Any Tires Plus. And right now, get $50 off any new set of tires at AnyTiresPlus.com. Go to the website, AnyTiresPlus.com, and rely on the great service, which we bring to you, hopefully, on the radio every day. AnyTiresPlus.com will do that on top of that. Bobby says to get to Maddow in Vegas before the break. I'll do that. Maddow, thanks for waiting. Go ahead. Hey, JT, how you doing? Anyway, um, you know, anybody I think who was paying attention during the offseason, during the OTAs and minicamps, et cetera, and into, into regular camp, I think if you really paid attention, you knew that this was a team full of good players. I mean, there's some talent here almost everywhere. Um, and even the doubters on the defense, I think, are starting to say, whoa, we do have some people here. So the one thing, I mean, you can pick out a particular phase of the game, but I think the one main thing that you have now that they can build on, which will make them a championship team, if not this year eventually, is to build on the mentality. This is a team. This is Raiders. These guys fight against everybody. And if they can keep it together mentally, they've got a heck of a chance. Yeah, I, I do. I don't know what a heck of a chance means. Heck of a chance to make the playoffs. Heck of a chance, of a to, chance win playoff to win games. the whole thing. Yeah, that's that's what a Raider legend told me today. Thanks for the call. You know, I didn't think. I don't think this is a Super Bowl team. I don't think it's a Super Bowl roster yet. I think they need another draft and more free agents. They got to draft better. A lot of things they have to do, but they're building in the right direction. 
This has been a two, three-year process to get the right players here. Now that Mullen and Arnett are on IR, that's concerning to me. The injuries on the offensive line, the inability of Richie Incognito to play. There's still an injury story here, but the Raiders are getting more healthy, and that's going to be really important going forward, especially going into the bye week. It's critical that this team gets healthy going into the bye week so they can enjoy the bye week. And imagine what the new head coach will do, do, Rich Passaccia, if they win and they get some extra time off of the bye week to go be with their family and friends and get out of this environment, which is a very good environment for football, but no better environment to have a bye week and go see your parents, your family, and friends and celebrate the fact that you're 5-2. and two. This is a monster game. I'm bringing my A game to the Black Hole tailgate in J-Lot in respects to the great, great friend of mine, Black Hole Rob, who passed away. Haven't been there with that crew in a while. I'm coming in big. We'll be live at the Torch Sunday for the pregame show. Come on up and say hello to us. And then we have the bye week. Brought to you by Grimaldi's Pizzeria. Cold fire brick oven pizza. A must have for anyone craving great pizza. For me, um, I mean, you guys know me by now. I mean, I just, I, whatever I say, that's what I mean. You know, like I 100% was like, hopefully y'all knew I felt a certain way, but I have a job to do, you know. Um, so I think everybody felt that way. So when we won, it was like, yes, let's go. But you could definitely feel from like front office people and, you know, other people uh, within the organization that it was, it was special for sure. Derek Carr, JT, back with you. Our Legends Moment brought to you by M Resort Spa and Casino. Come on out there and watch us do the pregame show and the postgame show when the Raiders are on the road. One of my favorite Raiders of all time, friend of the show, John Ritchie, former fullback of the Raiders and Eagles. John, you knew I'd get you on. I'd be reaching out to you this week. How are you, my friend? Doing great, JT. Doing great. great Man, we miss you out. Same here, man. Miss you a lot. Hope your family's well. Let me start off and get this out of the way. What happened with Coach Gruden, what happened there a week, week and a half ago, your relationship with him as the Raiders move on, they got to win in Denver, and the thoughts that went through your head as those events transpired. Devastated uh, on many levels. I, uh, you know, I, I guess I'll, I'll leave it at that. I I I feel for um for him I feel for uh anyone involved I I don't know details the way I should if I'm going to speak on it any further I just uh I, I couldn't I couldn't get my mind around the idea of Gru being done with football uh which I'm afraid this could turn into uh but again what he did what he said was wrong and it crushed me but i i love him and i i know that he knows that appreciate you sharing your thoughts with us let's go to the eagles and the raiders coming up here first off what do you think of the raiders win in denver as they bounce back rich Basaccia, the new head coach and it really looked like the raiders played their best game of the year yeah, pretty impressive. I didn't know what to expect, as I, you know, I guess no one did. 
they are playing to a, a tough brand of football. I appreciate it a lot. Uh, yeah, they. I think they're a, a great team. You know, there's a bias actually here on the East Coast against the Raiders that really bothers me a lot. Now, of course, as a player, I felt as though everyone was against us, uh, the Raiders. But there's truly this East Coast, West Coast thing where I, I guess people don't appreciate the, the brand of, of football that the Raiders play. And I think, I believe that uh, people in Philadelphia, you know, where we have our show, uh, sort of look past the Raiders and West Coast teams in general that uh, I I look at that game. I'm, I've, I've been watching that game tape. This Raiders team mm-hmm. is legit. Uh, four and two is, you know, sure, they had the stinker against the Bears. Uh, they are a solid team, a solid roster, and it looks as though they are motivated to play uh, some hard-nosed football with some explosiveness uh, mixed in. I don't think this Philadelphia Eagles team can keep up, and I'm not sure that the fans see that yet. John Ritchie is our guest. So, John, tell us about this Eagles team because my son goes to Oklahoma, and I saw Jalen Hurts play live there. I, I love everything about this kid. He is such a leader. He, yeah. He's such a leader of men, but I just think the Philly fans, I don't think they're going to have patience with him. They didn't have patience for Donovan at times, and Donovan went, out, went to all those conference championship games in a Super Bowl. What does he do that right. does that impresses you, especially on the ground with his legs, where once he sees a hole, he can run through it and knock people down? Yeah, he's, he's really skilled legs. The problem is they're not utilizing that part of his game. Uh, for some crazy reason that eludes everyone in Philadelphia, this coaching staff, uh, they're not calling run plays. They're not calling quarterback run plays. When Jalen's making hay with his legs, it's because he's breaking the pocket often too early uh, and you know trying to scramble. It feels like almost every play is a scramble drill. Mm-hmm. with this eagle offense and you know that's certainly not by design uh the, the i mean this is a proud football city and right now fans don't have much to be proud of uh jalen hurts is a stand-up guy uh yeah. you, you can be proud of the way he uh commands respect commands the room in a press conference the way it looks as though the team uh, has responded to his leadership in the past, but this season you don't feel a lot of that, uh, you know, leadership uh, making a difference out there on the field. I think Jalen Hurts is a better player than what he's been able to show this year, and the, the big question in Philadelphia is: is he holding this offense back, or are the coaches? holding this offense back because they're not sure if he can handle more. So uh, all I know for sure is that the offense has been abysmal, that they have abandoned the run in totality. I mean, uh, that Thursday night game against the Buccaneers, they uh, the score was 28-7. to seven. The Buccaneers had run the ball with the best quarterback of all time throwing it 
they had run the ball 21 times with backs to the Eagles having run the ball twice with backs. Right. Seven, the results of a balanced offense were the 28. The results of a pass-only offense with a quarterback who should be able to hand the ball off and run the, the zone read with a lot of effectiveness, they're abandoning that part of his game, and it's a real shame. Great analysis from former fullback John Ritchie. You know, I went back and watched the tape of that Tampa Bay game, and what impressed me was with all the flaws that you mentioned, they fought in that fourth quarter to get it to a one-score game. I mean, there was no quit in that team. And you talked about the the Raider clunker they had against Chicago. This game reminds me a lot of the Chicago game, John. Raiders are coming off a high win. They're home. They're going into a bye week. They can go in 5-2. and two, And I think that Jalen could be the king of the broken play, and he can get out on the edge, and the Raiders are going to have to tackle him and get him on the ground. Yeah. What, what are the Eagles doing defensively because Carr's coming off such a big game? Yeah, well, defensively, the Eagles, their whole M.O. is to stop the big play. And that's to a lot that, you know, a lot of consternation from the fan base. This is a fan base that got accustomed to, you know, the uh, get after it type defense of the Buddy Ryan era. And then with Andy Reid as the coach, uh, the Jim Johnson blitz from everywhere defense. They like aggressive defense here in Philadelphia. And they're not getting that from Jonathan Gannon, the new defensive coordinator. He likes to sit back in a loose zone and prevent big plays. So, team, you know, forcing teams to take little nibbles, uh, check it down, run the ball. I, I do think that the Raiders will be able to pound the football because you've got safeties way, way off, uh, two deep safeties quite often. Yeah. So the the Raiders are going to have the numbers in the box to hand the ball off and have success. They're going to check the ball down an awful lot, take underneath stuff because this is uh, this is what the Eagles do. They they expect, they hope for an offense to make mistakes. They're going to ex- you know expect you to run a lot of plays and hopefully mess up a few times along the way and try to take advantage of that. And uh, that's not suiting the tastes of an aggressive fan base right now. John, we lost you out here. You went to Stanford, your life, the Michigan connection, the career of legend. We got a new stadium in Vegas. We are, I'm trying oh, to lead this alumni charge to get you out here more and more to Vegas. <laughs> you are going to love this place. How are you with your family? What's going on in your personal life? Well, everything's good. I mean, I my son is 16. He's bigger than I am. Wow! And he's a uh, he's a rower. He's six four, and man, he's he's a strapping young lad, doing well in school. I have a daughter who's 14. I have uh, another daughter who's 10. They're both doing sports, uh, you know, volleyball and soccer. And you know, I'm very proud of them. And I am uh, I'm Mr. Mom. I'm doing the radio show every day and and uh, doing a lot of schlepping of children to practices. <laughs> so <laughs> it's pretty low key. I am obsessed with uh, with the NFL, though, of course, JT, and I I consume as much as I can, and I I just can't tell you how excited I am. You know, people 
my friends are calling this the Richie Bowl because it's uh, the two it teams is. I had an opportunity to play for. I, I can't wait for this game. I and uh, you know I do agree with you. I think it's possible that the Raiders take the the Eagles for granted because they're watching tape this week of a really abysmal performance. And it's not just last game. It's like all season long, the Eagles have put just direct on tape. So those players, I, I, I hope they're, I, I hope they're prepared. I hope they're up for a team that will battle despite their, uh, their personnel shortcomings and their schematic shortcomings from a young coaching staff that doesn't really seem to know what they're doing right now. Yeah, it looked ugly at times, but again, the Raiders are in a really big spot here with their season, their win total, the momentum, the coaching change, Allegiant Stadium. And John, you're the perfect guy to ask because we got the line. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I, I can't believe the line opened at three points. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. I. The Raiders look like a much better team. That line made me think. We have Howard Eskin and Tony Bruno coming up. So, I mean, I got this oh, Philly show today. Legend. How about that? Is that saying? Legend. And, JT uh, the Brick talking to Tony Bruno and Howard Eskin. This yes. is an all-time lineup. All and time. We, have, we have you leading it off. But I got to ask you, how many Philly fans are coming? There were way too many Chicago fans out here. Understandably, everyone wants to yeah. see Vegas, Allegiant Stadium. What are you hearing on your show? How many of these Bird fans are coming to Vegas? Uh, I'm, I'm positive that you will be impressed by the way Eagles fans travel. Yeah. It's been it's been the case that every away game no matter how how far uh we have uh man, we have people coming out of the woodwork uh on on game day, Philadelphia fans do a great job of of yeah. going near and far and they will be loud and they will be supportive and they will boo you. They will boo the Eagles as well. They'll boo everybody. <laughs> Uh, but they'll be loud. That's for sure. They are a really, really voracious fan base. I, I, I am positive the two greatest fan bases in the history of sports. So it's uh, it's shaping up yeah. nicely. I'm I'm so excited to see how much uh, animosity can build just in the fan <laughs> in the stands alone. It's going to yeah. be crazy. Thanks for doing this, John. Lot. Great to talk to you. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for coming on with us. You're the greatest, JT. See ya. You are too. Thank you. John Ritchie. Wow. How cool was that? To catch catch up with the Ritchie Bowl. I'm going to say that on the pregame show. It is. He played for two teams, the Eagles and the Raiders, and he's beloved by both. Howard Eskin, Tony Bruno, Bill Williamson, great Raider insider, joining us next. 702-365-9200. Yeah, Eagle fans are coming. John Ritchie just told you in the Ritchie Bowl, Raiders got to get ahead of this as we continue. Right here, Bill Williamson on what the Raiders can build on. Sam and Ash also next hour because you deserve what's right. The JT The Break Show brought to you by the great golf company inside Area 15. Wait till I tell you about it next, what we got in store for you.
Yeah, um, and then, you know, Richard Smith has been a defense coordinator, and Edgar Bennett has been an offensive coordinator. And so I think that the unique thing about all those men, from my perspective, is they have no personal agenda. They have no ego. They understand it's collective, and I think that's what makes um, the players at ease a little bit to understand that we're all really trying to do this thing together. Rich Passaccia, JT, back with you. Five Iron Golf, inside Area 15. They're fitting you for clubs, golf simulators, food, drinks. I'm sending people there. They're loving it. They're calling me back saying this is where they go hit balls and play golf now. Five Iron Golf inside Area 15. Bill Williamson knows the Raiders as good as anyone. NFL writer for 25 straight seasons. Find his work at silverandblackpride.com. And, Bill, enjoyed the podcast, Marrying Emotion and Execution. Tell me how you saw the execution for such an emotional spot for Basaccia, the coaches, and the Raiders going into Denver. Yeah, I mean that it was it was really a brilliant day for the Raiders, and it was because of those two things, the emotion and the execution. And I think that's really going to be the key for this coaching staff and these players is for the rest of the season because it's going to happen again this week. The emotion is going to be sky high again this week because it's going to be home for the first time, you know, and the, and the fans are going to be, the, the fans are going to be emotional and they're also going to give them a really huge hero's welcome. So this is going to be almost like an opening day atmosphere, I think. And I don't, it, it couldn't have worked out better for the Raiders. They're going on, they went on the road so they they, they, they kind of got away. They, they flew together. They, you know, they got that real emotional family time together as a unit. And they played a, a team that was very beatable. And so they, but they answered the bell and, and they answered the challenge. And they're terrific. They're a story the NFL in week six. Now they get to go home and it's going to be a little easier. But I think they'll be able to feed off the home emotion a little better because they've been through it. So I think. They're in a great position, and if the execution meets the – because the emotion is going to go away. It, it, it is going to settle down. It is going to feel having John Gruden gone is, for lack of a better word, going to sound normal fairly soon. But now it's, now it's execution. Now it's getting it done without him, and it's without his football brain and not worrying about the emotion of it. And, and I think it's going to be really fascinating to see. But the good thing is, it's the, the you know the next two weeks, very next two games rather than the bye, very winnable. I mean, I think yeah. I think they should be disappointed if they're not six and two going into the James City game. So it lays out pretty nicely for them. Bill Williamson's our guest. I love how you talked about the emotions. I didn't even think of it that way. They're coming home. It's going to feel like an opening day. New coach, heroes welcome. They played their best game. You make a very good point. This is going to be an atmosphere plus. They don't have their former coach as they come into their new to their new stadium, and that'll be the first time they don't get off the bus here in Vegas with the former coach. Uh, Bill, I want to talk about working out DJ Hayden and the cornerback move that they've made, Mullen and who's on IR, incognito. I've still been pounding the drum that this team's injured, and they got rid of a lot of injuries because they won a game but they're still nowhere near 100%. What do you think the mindset is of Mayock as he continues to try to upgrade this roster? Well, you know, I, I think those are two positions that they looked at yesterday that teams look at often to, to, to just to, to replenish. And I mean, cornerback and offensive line. Offensive line, always. Um, 
quarterback, you, you just said, they're banged up. So they looked at guys. I found it very interesting that they worked out D.J. Hayden and Darkwood Denard, uh, two former first-round picks like D.J. Fluker, but then they end up signing Trufant, and apparently they didn't work him out, or, you know, that, that report hasn't come in yet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Trufant's on the uh, 53. That's going to be announced today. Um, maybe we'll see somebody get IR'd, maybe like a Roger Schumer, as, as Vinny Bonsignor uh, tweeted earlier. He's hurt. He's not practicing. Maybe that, that seems like a natural deal right there. Um, but who knows if they bring in Hayden to the practice squad. You know, the, the, with the COVID rules, you can bring in pretty much anybody in the practice squad. Now, with DJ Fluker's on the practice squad, before COVID, that wouldn't have happened because there was rules with, you know, time service, and they, they had to be young players. So, Teams are, and the practice squad is, is a lot bigger, so teams across the league are taking advantage of it. So you see bigger-name guys on the practice squad, so why not? Bill Williamson's our guest. You've already tweeted out, and you're writing about some contracts that are upcoming. I'm assuming, too, you know, other guys that are going to be here long-term or not, because a lot of people wonder what's going to happen in the offseason. I'm worried about what's happening now and how you go out and beat Philadelphia, but what Mad Max is doing to help his cause with a contract down the road and Derek Carr. Those are the two big names within this organization, and both their deals are coming up. Yeah, I mean, they're coming up fairly soon, but, you know, in, in football terms, they're coming up. And, and then yeah. there's Darren Waller. I mean, if he – and this is all speculation, but if he were to say, hey, everybody's right, I'm very underpaid um, – there could be potential there. And I don't know if that's a speculation. That's just on paper because he is super underpaid. But he also may say, you know what? They really, this team saved me. They saved my career. They paid me when I was just starting to show something. So who knows there? But I think those are the three big names. I think Max Crosby is super fascinating because what he is doing, people's grandchildren get rich for life off of, Right. I mean, this guy is setting himself up for a monster contract, and he's eligible after this year because he's a fourth-round pick, so he's a free agent after four years. So after the 2022 season, he's a free agent. So it's going to be really interesting. I I, I think, and again, this is just speaking generally, nothing, Mm -hmm. nothing inside Max's camp at all, but... Usually young players like that, fourth-round picks that come out of nowhere and just become superstars at a elite, highly-paid position, a, a skilled position like defensive pass rusher is, usually their agents say, dude, we're going to hit the market because you are going to get paid like unbelievable. But who knows? I mean, Max Crosby is a guy who, after his rookie year, got a Raider tattoo. He seems to love being in the silver black. So, who knows how that's going to play out, um, but he is eligible to get a deal after this year. So, yeah, very fascinating front uh, office times ahead. Uh, Bill, finally, give us one thing the Raiders need to be concerned about as you look at the Eagles. The Eagles come to Allegiant Stadium on Sunday. What concerns you? You know, I think it's more about themselves than the Eagles. I think it's setting the tone. It reminds me of the Miami game. And the Chicago game at home, very beatable teams. The Raiders better than these teams. The Raiders are better than the Eagles. The Raiders almost blew it against the Dolphins, and the Raiders got punched in the mouth by the, by the Bears. So I think the Raiders needed to set the tone. That's why, you know, talking about the emotion. Just be the better team. The Eagles have 
three the reason, 54 uh, penalties. Raiders are fourth at 46. Let them be the sloppy ones. You know, that's, what, that's who they've been for six weeks. Let the Eagles be sloppy. Let yourself be better, and, and they should win. Awesome as always, Bill. Thanks. I'll see you Sunday. Thanks for always coming on the show. Yep. See ya. Thanks. You got it, Bill Williamson. Very good point, he said. You take a look at who the Raiders are bringing in for workouts. They still got guys who can make this team, could come in and play because they're banged up. They have to start fast. The Eagles have been sloppy. And the Bears came in sloppy. They didn't have much going on with Justin Fields. And they didn't play a clean game on offense, but they won that game handily because they were physical. And the Eagles are physical, so the Raiders got to bring their physical A game and punch the Eagles in the mouth right out of the gate. Howard Eskin and Tony Bruno coming up and Sam and Ash.